nurses and hypochondriacs, the podcast that brings nurse experts, patients, and hypochondriacs together to discuss hot topics in healthcare. And here is your host, Ercilia Pompilio. No one ever expects that when they go to work, they're going to be attacked. But it happens for nurses all the time, and many nurses just feel that it's part of the job, and we need to grow a thick skin, and uh, no one usually reports violent acts that happen to them. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration reports that nearly 25,000 workplace assaults are reported annually, and 75% of those occur in healthcare and social service settings. Violence or workplace violence is a disease and it needs to be stopped. I mean, personally, for myself, in the 20 odd years of healthcare practice that I've put in, I have been, let's see, Indian burned on my arms. I've been punched in the face. I've been called a fucking bitch I don't know how many times. It just happened the other day with a patient's family member who called me a fucking bitch, told me just to do my job, and then also said that I'm not a doctor. But what happens when the doctor that you're working with all of a sudden forcefully grabs you by the neck, lifts you up off the ground, and starts to choke you? so much so that you are about to lose consciousness. That's what happened to nurse Beth Duchesne. She told police that Mark Ryan forcefully grabbed and squeezed her neck in October 2018 after she asked him to stop turning off recovery patients' vital sign machines. Beth joins us today to tell us her story. This is a must-listen for all healthcare providers and especially nurses. But first, a word from our sponsor. Nurses and nursing students, all healthcare workers, really, we have a lot of documents to keep up with. And unfortunately, care facilities don't help much. That's where Nurse Backpack comes in. This app is great. It's easy. It's free. And now you can carry all those licenses, credentials, records, and things your workplace wants on your phone. You can even add work history and other records like CEs. To add or update your info, type it in or photograph the docs front and back. It's really that simple. And then all you have to do is set reminder dates for expirations and renewals. You're putting a lot in there. So Nurse Backpack is already secured for you. Plus you choose when and if you share your resume. You can send it to yourself, your manager, or as a job application just with a few clicks. You're not a filing cabinet. You're a healthcare professional. Don't let paperwork cause mischiefs or worse. This is the most complete document assistant you can get for healthcare. It's an app and it's free. Download Nurse Backpack today. And welcome, Beth Duchesne. How's it going? Good. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here. I'm so excited to do this episode. Uh, workplace violence is a huge problem. And it's been a problem forever, I think, since the uh, beginning of nursing. probably. And it's something that nobody looks at. I mean, we saw that in Hollywood with the whole Harvey Weinstein thing. And people are like, oh yeah, that happens in Hollywood all the time. And when Harvey Weinstein came out, I was like, that happens in healthcare too, you know, in many different facets. So why don't you go ahead and tell us about yourself? 
Well, my name is Beth, and um, I've been a nurse for 23 years. Um, my specialty for the past uh, 20 has been recovery room PACU. So I have a lot of experience in that. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much my background as an RN. That's cool. And take us through the incident. Can you start with the beginning of your day, like when you woke up in the morning? For my storytelling and writing classes, my students, one of our writing prompts is tell, you know, start with the beginning of your day and, and write about it. And it's so interesting the details people put and how we remember that day. Can you can you go ahead and start from there? Yeah, so I'm, I'm usually a charge nurse in the recovery room, but this day I started off um, with patient care. So I had my bay one and two, we have our bays, and you know I took my normal load of patients that day. And then about um, quarter to three, um, I was asked to be the charge nurse starting at three. So I was getting my patient um, that I had all ready to go upstairs into her room. Um, day was good. I mean, had a fantastic day. I did notice um, at points of the day people were complaining that their uh, their monitors were being shut off. And I'm like, well, that's weird. We don't shut off our monitors. Um, and we thought something was wrong with them. And then later after after my assault, I figured out <laughs> why they were shut off. Um, so at this point, I'll, I'll go into the actual incident. Um, I was, I had just called report on my patient to take upstairs. So this would be at 245. And at that point, this anesthesiologist brought a patient in from the OR and was going into the bay, bay three. And as he was bringing his patient in, he had walked across the room over to bay 12, where there was an alarm going off and he went over and shut off the alarm on the patient's bay. So at this point, I just asked him, you know, across the room because he, he had, um, he does this all the time. He's done it for decades where he silences the alarms um, for whatever reason. He says it's alarm fatigue and that nurses aren't listening to their alarms. But of course, this is a recovery room where we're um, weaning them off of oxygen and we need to hear those alarms. They're with us a short period of time, 45 minutes to about two hours. So when he walked over to this bay to shut off the alarm, I just asked him, you know, please don't shut those off. Um, and then he actually turned down the monitor and, and then it was like, oh, so you're the one all day that's been shutting off these monitors and we don't have our vital signs. You know, I, why he does this, I don't understand, but I had just asked him not to do it. And I wasn't mean about how I said it. I just said, you know, please stop doing this. And I made a comment like, you know, you, you've done this before and we've talked to you about it. So that's yeah, he, dangerous. Yeah. And then he walked over to me and we were standing right by the nurse's station and I'm like, he's coming towards me. I thought, oh, maybe he needs a hug. I don't know. And that's when he put his arms, I mean, his hands around my neck, um, both hands. He had his thumbs, you know, into my trachea and was lifting me off the ground and shaking me. And 
he pulled me really close to him. He's, he's about six foot. I'm five foot, two and a half. Um, he pulled him, his, he pulled me towards him, shaking me and then gritting his teeth and, you know, saying fucking bitch and, you know, just that gritting. And I just, at this point, I, I just went into a shock mode. I, I just couldn't even fathom what was happening to me. Um, he hung on for about five seconds and then he, he let me go and he walked over to my patient's bay and turned off the alarm <laughs> in like a defiance, like, like a, can I swear? Of course. <laughs> he, he was like a, a fuck you nurse. Um, you can't tell me what to do. And, and silence the alarm on my patient that I had in my bay. And then he walked back over to the patient he had just brought in, which, you know, an anesthesiologist really shouldn't be leaving a patient's bedside that he just brought in that was extubated. So the whole thing, um, you know, it was just, I was in a shock and I, I remember standing there and just looking around this big recovery room, like, did anybody see this, you know? Um, I mean, what were your coworkers doing? Were there other nurses in the room? Yeah, it was a super busy, um, like they brought five patients in at once. So there wasn't anyone even standing at the desk. It was just a crazy time when all this happened. Um, come to find out later, um, the nurse, there was a nurse that witnessed it and she was the witness for the, for the prosecutor. Um, she did see it, but she had also just gotten a patient so she was hooking up the patient and she said she looked over and she could see him um, picking me up in his facial expressions and my body like frailing because he was shaking me. Um, and it was one where she was like, what's happening? Like she was in a shock. I, I just think when you're in that kind of environment, you don't expect to be strangled, <laughs> you know? No, the- I mean, not at your workplace. Right. I, I mean, you're, you're waking right. up in the morning going, I'm going to go to work and take care of my patients and do my thing. I'm not yeah. going to be threatened with my life and almost die. Exactly. And so, you know, I was in this um, shock, um, just like what just happened. Everything, everything seemed slow motion. And then I went into like nurse mode. Like, what was I just doing? I'm taking care of this patient. Yeah. Out of this recovery room. It's it's really strange. And I, you know, of course I've gone to therapy um, right away. And, you know, just the professionals say that's a, a normal reaction. Yeah. Like a fight or flight or or just you freeze. And I froze, but then I went into nurse mode, like, okay, I'm gonna take my patient. And, you know, because I just called report on this patient. So I, you know, got out of the recovery room. And as soon as I walked out of the recovery room, as I just broke down. I was, you know, shaking. I just was frightened that he was going to come after me. And at that point, um, there was a, there's an office outside of the recovery room. And it's our auditor for OR. And I went into her office as my patients in the hallway. And I went in and I was just like, I was just, you know, being strangled by this doctor and she thought I was having some kind of shock or that she was going to have to perform CPR, you know, and, you know, at this point she's saying to me, you know, go, go to the, uh, manager's office and sit down. And, and I'm like, no, I have a patient. I have to get my patient upstairs. Exactly. Right. And, And so, um, 
another nurse came running and saw something was wrong and, and took my patient. And at this point, um, the office right next door was the manager at the time. Um, and then he took some pictures and he took me to um, human resources. So this is where it gets mm-hmm. kind of interesting. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. So can I go on? At this of point? course. Yes, please. So at this point, I'm in the manager's office and he takes me down to HR, um, which now I'm like, well, I probably should have went to ER, but you took me to HR. No one really knew what to do. No one knew what to do with me. And at this point, um, looking back, it was more of a, we need to hush this. We need to keep this quiet. Oh, yeah. So nobody, nobody um, called security, house security. I mean, did you go to the ER first so they can check you out and make sure that you were okay? No, I was never even offered. My my boss took pictures of my neck because you could still see the marks from his hands. Um, I sat in, in HR and then they were just like, well, we don't know what to do and what happened. And they took took my report and then... I had called up to the recovery room. Like I personally called the recovery room to say, I'm supposed to be charged at three. I know um, my other charge needs to get home to pick up our kids. I'm no one knew where I was because I just kind of scooted out of the recovery room. So when I called up to the recovery room, the witness um, got on the phone and she's like, Oh my God, Beth, I saw what he did. I, I saw it. I cannot believe what I was seeing. Um, so she came down to HR and gave her report and then HR is just like, okay, um, do you want to go home? (laughs) Would you like to go home? You want to go home? Not like, Hey, we think you should go home. By the way, go speak to the psychologist because this is pretty crazy. Did you go speak to the psychologist? No, they sent me home 45 minutes after the assault. He, um, my nurse manager walked me to my car. I don't even remember driving home. It's it's about wow. probably about a, a six. Mile. And you never went to the ER no, so that they can go ahead and check you. No, nobody, nobody at all. So when I I I got home and I'm just in this shock and I'm crying and you know I don't even remember how I drove home. At this point, I didn't call my husband yet because I knew he would just flip. But that was never an option. No one ever said, we're going to call your family and we're going to, you know, get you home. We're going to take you to ER. We're going to take pictures. Nobody, nobody called, um, like I said, the security. My boss called the chief anesthesiologist. Um, and they, it, it turns out that, that the doctor that assaulted me was still on the grounds for over an hour. He went over to pre-op, put his feet up, was joking and laughing with the nurses. Oh my, are you kidding me? No, I'm not. And we, so we have witnesses to that too, the witnesses for the prosecution, how he acted afterwards. And he's usually not very outgoing. He's a very quiet doctor. And he just went over and was acting like nothing happened. And the chief anesthesiologist, nobody grabbed him. Um, no one did a drug test on him. He could have been diverting for all we know to go from being, you know, in a room to come and strangling a nurse and then going, going on to your next patient, like nothing happened. That's very sociopathic. Yeah. Right. right. And so when I got home and I'm upset and it's probably, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon, 
husband gets home around 5.30 and we're talking. In between this time, though, the chief anesthesiologist called me at home and is like, so Beth, hey, you know, just trying to figure out what's happening here. Um, you know, do you think you can work with him anymore? Um, oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Do you no. think you can work with him anymore? Sure. I want to work with my assaultant. I want to work with this predator right. who right. can assault me again and called me a fucking bitch. Didn't right. you say that? And, sure. And is he going to do this to another nurse? And exactly. I really felt like they were downplaying it and trying to intimidate me. And oh, yeah. You know, another key factor was when I was leaving, um, when my manager walked me to the car, I asked, do I press charges? Is, am I supposed to press charges or are you guys pressing charges? And he just said, you know, we can't tell you what to do. And it was just like on my own, like, oh my gosh, I have to make this decision. Um, and then multiple nurses were calling me in the meantime and they're like, you have to go to the police. You have to. Yeah, I would. Yeah, definitely. And the fact that no one called the police while you were there, um, someone should have called the police right away and had him arrested. You know, that's absolutely out of control. He assaulted you. I don't care who he is. Exactly. And it was totally, let's try to cover this up. So when the chief anesthesiologist was saying to me, are you sure you can't work with him anymore? Um, We'll have a meeting with him tomorrow. I just said, you know what, doc, I'm not really sure what I'm doing with this right now. And I'm not going to talk to you anymore. So, so at that point, my husband's home and, and, I had to make the decision if I wanted to go press charges and I knew what that would do with my career and this road of, of hardship by telling on this doctor because, because I've been a nurse 23 years. Telling on, wait a minute, hold on. Telling on him. No, (laughs) he did something that was totally wrong right you know that just doesn't happen every day oh sure i'm just gonna go choke this nurse and hey go about my thing because we can do that exactly it's healthcare for the love of god it's healthcare and i think we're trained we're you know our culture to be subservient of course yeah back in the day nurses used to have to get up Mm-hmm. When there was right. a doctor there, if we were sitting right. in a chair and there were no other chairs, nurses would have to get up so the doctor could sit on there. The doctor was God. The doctor knows everything. And this is how we've trained our population. Yes. And now that we're in a healthcare world that we have multiple different kinds of practitioners and we're in a team environment, our patients are not trained for that. They don't get it. You know, they don't get it. They still think, oh, the doctor's got, you're not a doctor. You're not a doctor. I go, well, let me tell you something. I, and not all doctors are great doctors. I mean, not all nurses are great nurses. Not all healthcare practitioners are great healthcare practitioners, but you need to use your own intuition and look at the person who's in front of you before you're starting to judge the situation. I mean, look at this guy. I mean, did you, had you worked with him before? Yes, and probably because I started that job seven years before, and there was a point where he brought, the first time I met him, he brought me and a patient into the recovery room. We hooked the patient up from, you know, because he came straight from OR to us. We hook him up to the monitor, and he reached over my patient and silenced my alarm seven years ago. And I said, I thought, wow, who's this guy? You know, so I was new there and, you know, the nurses are like, oh yeah, he silences the alarms on all the patients because he thinks we don't listen to them. And I'm like, okay, that's crazy. I'm, yeah. yeah. 
So probably like three weeks later, he did the same thing. And I put my, when I saw it was him, because we, you know, we have hundreds of anesthesiologists that come through our hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, I put my hand up on the monitor and I'm like, yeah, don't touch my monitor ever. So we had this history of, he knew not to touch my monitors. It was one of those silent, like, I'm sure I was the bitch nurse. That, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Because I, <laughs> I was seasoned, seasoned enough as a nurse that it's like, that's not safe. So I was right. constantly watching when he was the anesthesiologist and telling our new staff members that like, Hey, watch this guy. We've all told on him. He still silences them. And when you would ask him, you know, why do you do that? He's like, well, 88% of nurses don't listen to their monitors and alarm fatigue. Oh, he had a percentage. Did he do a yeah, study? What's his peer reviewed research on that? Yeah, Go, can I see your peer reviewed research? Yeah, so everyone knew. I mean, it was even to the point where the ICU, ICU nurses said when he would have an intubated patient straight from OR to ICU, he would shut off the alarms in the ICU too when he brought the patient in. So, you know, it was just this pattern that he believes this. And, you know, but I was the nurse that was mouthy. Of course, you were the one, you, you called him on a shit, basically. I called him on a shit. And, so, and nobody likes to be, let me tell you, sociopaths especially do not like to be called on their shit. I mean, right. <laughs> I know that for a fact because I'm Italian and I'm the caller on their shitter girl. And I always get the, oh, Rosilia, oh, like I'm always the bad guy. And I'm like, no, that era, I'm sorry. In this whole time of revelations and this whole apocalypse that we're living in, good morning, everybody. Wake up. This part of our lives is now over. And we're, oh, we're in the reality part. We're in the, hey, no more sociopaths. Get rid of these guys. We're done because they're dangerous. You know, right. and we've been living in that reality for way too long. Well, and he's 30 years anesthesiologist. So he's from that era of, you know, nurses are stupid and I'm the smartest man in the world. And, um, you know, other other charge nurses told him not to do that. For some reason, he just snapped that day on me. But I really think it's because, like you said, I was the one protecting the patients and telling him it's unsafe. And, you know, what people have to remember is, you know, when he was shutting off the alarms, he leaves the recovery room. He's not hanging out. He's going to his right. He's not standing there. It's the nurse's responsibility. And lots of times these nurses didn't even realize he was turning off the alarms on these. Right, because they're silenced and they're like, wait a minute, why isn't it going off? Is there something that's going to happen to my patient now? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, moving on, you know, that we went to the, uh, the police department, actually I called the police and told them what happened. And they're like, you know, you need to come in. So when I went in, there was a victim's advocate with me and three officers, they tape recorded. Um, oh, that's nice. If there was a victim's advocate. Yeah. And she was awesome. Cause she's like, he strangled you, Beth. That's what he was doing because I still wanted to downplay it in a way where I was like, Oh, oh it's I- not that bad. Yeah. It's yeah. the nurse thing. It's right. so the nurse thing. Or did yeah. I do something to upset the doctor? Right. And you know, so that codependent nursing. Yeah. Right. And I at this that. point they took pictures of my neck and then they're like, you really need to go be seen in an, in at least by your primary doctor in the morning. Um, and then at this point 
the, the police department went to the hospital the next day and there was all these meetings and, you know, everyone was like, oh, we're here for Beth. You know, we're here for her. But I never heard a word from anybody. Um, oh, of course. Of course. It, yeah. yeah, been there. Because you know why? They don't want to get their hands dirty because you know what? They're like, I don't want to lose my job. Right. Exactly. Yes. I don't want my 401k and, right. and I'm sorry, you know, I feel bad for you, but I can't do that. Yeah, you know, I've, been there. I've been there so many times and right. now it's interesting what's happening with healthcare. It's totally imploding. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is what we're seeing in various facilities. My theory is my hypothesis is these places that are having the most problems with their staff complaining they've already had problems. People just kind of just shut up and dealt with it because they're like, well, it's better. I don't know what it's like anywhere else. And I guess this is just how it is. And, you know, it's like that everywhere. People just are mean to us and that's okay. You know, that's how people think. It's disgusting. It's so sad, you know? And, you know, so then the police came in the next day and they told management, you guys should have called 911. Why didn't anyone? How dare they? And, you know, everyone knows the hospital dropped the ball. I mean, the district realizes that. And and then it just ended up being, um, you know, this knee-jerk reaction by the hospital where, oh, oh, we're here for you. And they had all these town hall meetings and these nurses were like, oh yeah, he was a jackass to me too. And then it was like, well, you nurses, you never told us. You never told right. us like this. It was and now they blame the victims again. Yeah. yeah they're going victim and ta- they're blaming right now and, and saying, oh, well, it's your fault for never complaining. You know, and this is what they're going to say now with all these hospitals and all these PPEs not having, well, it's your fault for never complaining in the first place. People are like, oh, we could complain. Oh, we didn't know that. We thought we'd do their jobs. Yeah. So it was, it was such a disappointment in, in my hospital system because they just. And your coworkers, you know, you would, you would assume that your coworkers would have your back. I mean, and would support you and, and stuff. I mean, that's what it's all about. Yeah, and it, and it wasn't. In fact, um, when the DA wanted to come in to investigate, they put notes up that you don't have to talk to the DA. And it was just like, he <gasps> was prosecuting this doctor and nurses were told not to talk to the DA to help my case. Wow. Um, and, you know, this wasn't Beth Duche against the doctor. This is the DA prosecuting him for assault and strangulation. Right. And they were just like, you know, and the one nurse said something about, well, I'll just forget what I saw. Now, not my witness. My witness has been awesome. She That's great. Talked, she talked to the police. She filed a report. Um, HR actually took her incident report mm-hmm. and talked to me. Like the, the witness and I never spoke to each other about what she saw. She, she was uh, taken into another room right away when I was in HR. Yeah. And they took her report and then the police came the next day and took her report. But even at that point, the chief anesthesiologist was like, are you sure you saw that? Even uh, yeah, Oh yeah. He, he's, he's gaslighting you. Typical. Right. Very typical. I didn't know what gaslighting was until about 2014. And I was seeing a hypnotherapist and I talk about it on the show all the time about how my hypnotherapist really opened up my eyes and started to, have me see my world in a very different way. Because up until then, uh, because of um, my background, and I I was born into an Italian family who is a bit narcissistic, you know, 
And it's like, oh, you didn't see that. That's not true, you know? And, and so I had a propensity of being gaslit when I was in healthcare. But it happens a lot. I just thought it was me and my background, but it happens all the time because these people are narcissistic. They're sociopathic. They're, they're egomaniacs, you know? Everybody treats them like a god so they can think that they can treat everybody as subservient to them. So what they start to do is they'll get, they'll be like, you didn't see that. And they don't have a problem with, they, they think that that's okay. I mean, I had an issue with a physician when I worked at the county hospital here in Los Angeles. I was working with this pediatric neurologist and he was doing a lot of shady stuff, you know. And um, I didn't know exactly what it was, but I knew it was just wrong, you know, and it was something with billing. We didn't have any patients, but then he kept blaming stuff on me, which was really weird. Because I was just, I was brand new and I was being trained, but I had very fresh eyes because I had come from a hospital that was very, very strict. And here I come to a hot mess of a hospital. And I don't know, he was like sleeping around with the medical assistant. I don't know what was going on with them. He was a married man with children, you know, and um, they would just do weird things. Like I'd see them at the coffee cart and I'm like, hey guys, what's up? How's it going? And they'd walk away. And I'm like, that's really bizarre. So I'd ask him, I go, hey, you know, I'd ask the doctor because he's only, he was only a couple of years younger than me. And I'm like, I'm like, hey, so why'd you walk away from me? What's up with that? Like I said, hello to you at the coffee cart. We're supposed to be a team. We're supposed to go to this meeting, but you just walk away. Like, like I'm invisible all of a sudden. He wouldn't say anything. It was bizarre. I'm like, hello. McFly, you know, right? <laughs> Hello, uh oh, you know, is anybody home? You know, right. but but when I went to the chief of pediatrics and I told him about this, he thought I was crazy. Are you sure you're seeing that? Are you sure? Yeah, Are you sure you're experiencing that. And I had managers come to me and say, Yeah, yeah, you what you're seeing is right, but we cannot get our hands wet because you know. We, we have a 401k and we got to work here and we have families, but, but go ahead and do it. Do all this stuff, do the reports, do all this. So I reported into ethics. Of course I'm getting in trouble. I'm getting dirty. You know, my friend who used to work at this hot, who used to be an attorney uh, covering this hospital as a consultant for HIPAA stuff. He was like, get out. He's like, get out of there. That place is shady. It's dirty. They're going to make you be the bad guy now. Right. And that's what happened. Yeah. The tables got turned. Even the human resource woman was accusing me of stuff. You know, they tried to make me an offer. I refused, you know, like the Godfather, I got pulled into a room, this high director woman, you know, very famous too, uh, which I will be writing about her in my book. So <laughs> I can't you know, um, she was, uh, she was trying to make me an offer and giving me a higher position and giving me more money under the table. Like, Oh, I have a private fund and I'm going to give you more money. It was really ugly. I was like, are you kidding me? What is going on here? You know, I never thought this could happen in healthcare. Yeah. We know what happens in Hollywood, mm -hmm. but, but look at you, you got strangled. Right. Right. I mean, it, it was just ridiculous. At the very least, you should have had, there should be, and this is what I say everywhere now, and I hope, I hope to God after all of this drama that we're going through is over, that every hospital starts employing at least one psychologist. 
so that anybody could go there and talk to you after any event that they've had, after a death of a patient. Certainly after this, you should have gotten briefed. I mean, when I was 19 and I worked for Bank of America and we had a takeover robbery, that was the first thing that happened. The psychologist called us on the phone and was debriefing us because we were in this really threatening is situation. We got, our, we got threatened with our lives. But here you are in a hospital, you would think something like that would happen. You would think you would have that resource. Right. And there was nothing. No, no, just go home. And, and you know, it was offered, you can, you can go see one of our, you know, you can go talk to someone, but it ended up it was a workman's comp. So if you're strangled, oh. um, just so y'all know. <laughs> so, so, so at that point, I found a good, um, psychologist to talk to. And then I was on workman's comp for almost, you know, 17 months. Um, yeah. Oh my so, God. It's so scary. How can you go back into that situation? Never, it's so no, scary. I won't, I won't go back to that hospital. No way. Support me. And the hospital system I work for now has a zero tolerance um, for any kind of violence or even the doctors can't even talk smack to you at this point or right and it's against joint commission i mean several years ago jayco joint commission instituted this policy where they had a zero tolerance about that i mean i worked at a hospital where this little surgeon would come down and he was notorious for yelling at people and one day he yelled at the wrong person who happened to be an african-american nurse practitioner and she just got in his face and he wrote her up and she wrote him up but she shut him up she made him go to anger management classes like with her reports and I was like hell yeah you know it's just like finally but he would just come down and he would think that he could do that you know and it's like why what is your problem I mean you even told me yourself your mother was an OR nurse and yes so she was a nurse you know in the early 60s and you know for 47 years she ended up being a nurse but she started off at the Cleveland Clinic and I mean things were thrown at nurses back then at the, you know, cause circulators were the scrub tech at that point. So it was nothing to have a sponge thrown at you or a scalpel or yeah. you know, the room, you know, um, and just how angry the surgeons would get your, you know, or physicians, anybody, I mean, just how they would treat people. That was just the norm. Cause my mom's like, yeah, this has been going on way too long, you know, for yeah. years and years. And as a nurse, you would be called in, and if you complained, they'd say, well, what did you do to piss him off? I mean, what exactly. that's how it was handled. Um, it, was, it was just like, well, then I guess we need to make sure you're not in the room with him anymore. Like, the nurse is the problem. The nurse oh, yeah, the you're the problem because you're complained, and, and now, oh, yeah, I was always a problem for many years because I always voiced myself, and I always complained. I, I totally feel you on this and, and I can relate to it because it's, it's terrible, you know, and the way this hospital handled this is crazy. So this physician, let me ask you, did he have any prior convictions, any drug abuse, anything? I mean, was he working 10 jobs or? Um, uh, so he works for the anesthesia group. Um, that's pretty big here in Denver. He did, he did work. Um, he, you know, it's one of those where I would hear from my anesthesiologist friends that they had heard that he was fired from another group, you know, 10 years ago and sent away, but all that's covered up, you know, no, they all protect each other, you know, as a nurse, if I did anything, it would be all over, you know, of course. Oh, yeah, all over the place. 
people people said, oh yeah, he he threw things, he did this, he did that, but you know, the county uh, DA was like, we can't find anything on him. You know, everything, it's hush hush. He's a doctor. So they were never able to see where he did anything wrong before. Um, and the nurses in my hospital that, that said, oh, yeah, he threw a chart at me. He threw a syringe of propofol at me. Oh, my God. They were shut down. They were told not to talk. So, and they were all afraid of losing their job. So, you know. But why um, were they told not to talk? I don't understand. It's not, it, I mean. Who was this guy? I mean, why did he have so much pull? Was he bringing money into the hospital? Was he, I mean, was he bringing donations? What was his ammo? Because usually, usually it's not just that, oh, they're just a doctor. They have to have some kind of pull, you know, or they have to know something about someone else or, or it's, it's, there's something Right. And there, and I think as far as my, the hospital I worked for, they were just afraid of things getting out because, you know, they're a a for-profit HCA facility. So they, they were just telling nurses not to give any information, which was really disappointing for me because we're prosecuting the doctor here. You know, I'm, I'm not going after the hospital for not protecting me. It's like, can everyone just work together and let's get right. Away from well, it's PR. It's all PR. And if you've, I don't know if you heard the Dr. Death podcast, which is really great. So it's just like that guy. That guy was going around botching up patients. And what did they, everybody do? Cover it up. There were several nurses that said, hey, this guy, you can't do this. And he would get upset, you know, and go ahead and do it anyway. People, because they didn't stop it when they should have. So exactly. Yeah, so he didn't really have a record. Um, You know, people were just saying, you know, he had anger issues, but nobody ever paid attention as far as writing it up, which again, we were as nurses, we were told, well, if you would have wrote him up, we would not, we would have known and we would know you wouldn't have fired him. It, you know, it's just everyone was. No, if you write him up, what they'll do is they'll, they'll either shred it. Or put it somewhere. I mean, when I wrote up the physician that I was working with, I wrote him up to ethics because the ethics doctor was also the ICU chief or whatever, the PEDS ICU chief. And he was always complaining that this physician had so many patients in his ICU. So I figured out what was going on, you know, and I gave, and I, you know, sent him my whole map of what was happening, you know. The phys- and I even told the physician I was working with, I'm like, hey, dude, I know what you're doing. I know what your game is, you right. know? And he was just, he started shaking in front of me. He was doing this thing. So when a physician is sitting across from you and he's shaking and he yeah. keeps lying to you that he's going to meetings and then you start following him around because I became this detective and obsessed with his moves because I knew he was lying to me. I was like, why are you lying? Who cares? How much extra money are you really making? Are you making millions? I don't think so. Really? Right. Really. It's disgusting. I mean, thing about this whole thing was um, after I pressed charges, the police called this doctor at home and said, you need to come in. Um, There's some, charges pressed against you for you strangling this nurse. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm not coming in. Oh, I'm Um, sure. So he didn't come in. um, And the police, you know, were really good about calling me. And I had the victim's advocate helping me. 
I wasn't sleeping. I didn't know his mental status if he was going to try to come kill me. That's so scary. I felt like he wanted to kill me. And so they had to get a warrant issued and it took 10 days to get the warrant. It's, you know, sat on the judge's desk with them, you know, all these other warrants. Oh my God. Finally, when the warrant went through, the police found him driving. They pulled him over. They took him to jail, left his, parked his car. Um, this is like 10 o'clock at night because the deputy called me and said, we have him. And it was just like, finally. Yeah, and you could breathe. It was, oh, I just didn't mean to hurt her. I just didn't mean to hurt her. That oh, no, but you're... But the way he choked you, the way you described it with his thumbs on your trachea, it was like very, like he knew what he was doing. Exactly. And he knew he was getting, it was getting harder and harder, his, his pressure. He knew exactly how long to hang on to my neck. Um, and, it, you know, I think to myself, if it wasn't a room full of people, and what if I was just on call with me and a, and a colleague? If, if he wouldn't have killed me at that point. Right. Because something made him stop I mean, that little bit of time, but he was still defiant and walked over to my patient and shut off the alarm. I mean, he was very intentional. He's a socio, if yeah. not a psychopath. I mean, it, it, it's like, did they even do a psychological evaluation on him? So he will, now that he, he took the plea deal that the, county prosecutor. Otherwise, we would have been in trial this past week. It would have been a jury trial. But they took the plea bargain. Um, so he pled guilty to the strangulation, the felony um, assault. And three years probation. Um, and That's then, all he got? He didn't even go to jail. He didn't even go to prison. He's not in prison right now. No, the sentencing is in June. It's June 22nd. Okay. And that's where I'll read my victim's um, impact statement and talk to the judge. But it was more of, you know, he'll go to anger management, 100 hours of community service. He surrendered his license to the Colorado um, Medical Board only because they, the medical board had um, someone told them what happened. And so they started investigating and they said, hey, we have enough information that says you did this to this nurse. You either surrender or we're taking this to a trial through the medical board. Wow. And so he yeah. Surrendered. He surrendered. And of course, his prosec- his um, defense attorney claims that he just like voluntarily did this, which if you look him up online on the medical board, it says that he surrendered it. But then when you open up the little file, it has acted aggressively towards a nurse colleague. And this is before he pled guilty. So I'm hoping the medical board will review that and say, you pled guilty to strangling her. Um, you're never getting your license back ever, ever, ever. Ever, and, ever. Yeah. And he, and he will not practice in Colorado again. Um, when he surrendered it, he, he said he's going to retire and they said, you can never try to get your license back. So that's good news, but I, I want it on his record that he pled guilty. The, you know, just acted aggressively towards a nurse isn't good enough for me. No, that's assault. Right. I mean, right. assault with a deadly weapon, your hands can be right. considered a deadly weapon. Right. And, and it's like, that's what it has to say. Assault with a deadly weapon. I mean, he almost killed you. It's ridiculous. What I saw here, um, so I saw something that was a little disturbing for me. I don't know if you know who Z-Dog is. Yes. Yeah, okay. So um, uh, 
I had a thing with Z-Dog on Twitter. We had a little bit of a Twitter fight, and I had to go ahead and block him uh, because I, I think he's just always self-promoting. You know, anytime he gets a, 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 an opportunity, he'll self-promote. And my whole issue with him is he always self-promotes when it's a nurse issue. You know, I'm like, stay in your lane, but dude, you know, he always tries to be a nurse advocate. I mean, he's in my book, he's a clown, okay? And I am sorry. From what he said on this, I'm like, for sure now he is a clown. Because what he was saying, he jumped to this defense, it sounded like, of this physician. And so he was blaming in 2018. I have an article here. It says that he was blaming the hospital for overworking this doctor right. to, to drive him to do this. And I was like, what? I was like, why are you saying that? You weren't even there. You know, and how do you even know this doctor? He could have had three jobs. I know physicians that have three jobs that work 24 seven and are not very mentally healthy. You know, they're just money hungry, you know, and um, they don't even give good patient care and stuff. It, it, it's like one of the places that I worked at, um, this one physician, a pediatrician, he was doing physicals with the kids fully clothed. And I go in there and I go, okay, these kids need to be in gowns because I'm doing a physical exam on them. And they're like, why? That's weird. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had to pull the American Academy of Pediatric Guidelines of how to do a physical and show everybody that what I was saying was correct and that this physician that they had who had two other jobs was not doing what his job was. I mean, how am I supposed to see this kid's skin if they have bruises, if they have cut marks on them? You know, it's just like, come on. That's a bit, that's huge. Yes. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And I couldn't believe this guy was saying this. I was like, Tisk tisk z dog stay in your lane, stay in your, stay in your performance lane, you know, right. don't come and talk about, you got, you got strangled for the love of God. Right, and, and the whole thing, because I did read that, and just kind of like, oh, was he overworked, and he snapped, it's like, no, he wasn't overworked, and just snapped, and it's unacceptable, it, it wouldn't matter if I, and I asked nicely, but even if I would have said, Hey, asshole, quit touching, you know, you can't come over and strangle me. Um, no. You know what? And, and I know that when the sentencing hearing comes, his, his lawyer is going to say something like that. Well, he was having a bad day or blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, he took an oath not to hurt anybody. And you certainly shouldn't right. come over and try to, you know, in my words, kill a nurse, basically, because you're, you're snapping. No excuse. I mean, I work with wonderful doctors that would never even dream of touching another person, um, let alone a colleague. So, you know, that the, the excuse excuses there is no excuse you there's no excuse these people are sociopaths they're they're psychopaths they have something going on in their brain that makes them crazy right i mean point blank this is where we're at today where it we're living in this revelation universe where you know like hey a normal per you know i don't see doctors every day strangling nurses this doesn't just happen this is not normal no absolutely not you know if someone came up to someone and strangled them on the street they'd be in jail prison like that oh right and you that, know? That's so exactly. why is it okay in a healthcare facility because he's a doctor 
Right. You're a doctor and you're overworked and everyone, you know, and that was one of the comments after he pled guilty when, when he said the words, I'm guilty, even if it was a plea deal, I, you know, I cried because it was like, he said it, he finally said it after 17 months and no one could protect him anymore. His anesthesia group couldn't protect him. The hospital couldn't protect him. It's like, it is what it is. And if he didn't strangle me, he would have strangled someone else. Well, yeah, he would have done it to someone else, you know. And who knows if that person would have been so verbal. And then you're sitting there traumatized all this time, you know. It's like it's like working with that boss who abuses you every day, but you got to go to work every day because you have to put – because you think – you have to put food on the table and pay your mortgage and stuff like that. And, it, and then look what happened now. The world shut down. Boom. Okay. So it's probably making a lot of people think who have been in similar situations to you. Hey, wait a minute. What's my life really all about? Do I have to be subservient to a jerk or, you know, do, am I risking my life? you know, to live this type of lifestyle or is it not worth it? I mean, I've walked off several jobs. I had a secretary. um, I didn't know who she was, what type of administrator she was, but she had forced me into an unsafe situation with a patient. um, And I knew it was unsafe. And I kept telling her, I go, I refuse to see this person. They can go ahead and make an appointment another day and come back. So she forced me, came into the room. I um, ended up seeing this kid with his mom who was crazy. Um, And then it ended up that this mother didn't even have custody of this kid. And she was wanting me to do a sexual assault exam on him. And I was like, no. You know, she was saying that the grandmother was assaulting him. It turned out the grandmother had custody. You know, I mean, I don't know. I, and I told her, I go, listen, if you want this exam, then you need to go to the HUD where they do these sexual assault exams. If you think this is what's going on, that wasn't what was going on. She was just being very manipulative. I mean, I don't know if there was something going on, but she was, it was just a really creepy, weird situation that didn't need to happen. So I had turned to, because the mother was also getting very violent and stuff. And I turned to this, the secretary who made me go in and I go, you know, uh, I've been doing this for over 20 years. I think I know my, my shit, you know, I think I know what I'm doing and I think I know what's safe or what's not safe. I'd gone to this facility again because I work locums and she had again tried to force me into another situation. And I was like, wait a minute, you're just a secretary. <laughs> no, I, I don't understand why you're, you're telling me what to do in this situation. I was like, where's the doc? I mean, in the medical director, there is a jerk. So I was like, you know, I'm out. I, and I totally told him, I go, either you do what I say. So we make the situation safe or I walk. So they did make it safe for me. And then another time I was like, I am not going back there again. That is crazy. And what I've heard from this facility is that it's imploded (laughs) now with all of this stuff going on. And I go, see, you know, and I I talked to my recruiter and she, she's like, oh yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on there. You know? And I go, "Uh, yeah, you think poor management, you know, that doesn't support their um, people. But I talked to a lot of their practitioners at this place and they're like, well, this is just how it is. And you know, And I go, I'm sorry, safety first. You know, it's like when you're in a plane, you got to save yourself before you save someone else. So uh, if you're not safe going to work every day, what? Right, right, right. And that's something, you know, out of this, I want these younger nurses to know 
write everything up and report it. I mean, if they're screaming in your face, you need to make an incident report. Yes. The paper trail is what really is going to make the difference and never put up with anyone touching you. I mean, you shouldn't even have, you know, any kind of physical touching with a physician when he's or or a patient as well. I mean, you know, because see, that's another thing. That's another slippery slope because people think, oh, well, it's a patient and it's part of my job. And I pulled several articles where that's where nurses were saying, oh yeah, I've gotten hit, beaten, slapped, you know? And I I remember when I was a new nurse, um, someone did uh, like the Indian burn on my arm. Um, I've been, I've, had someone punch me in the face but that of course that was a patient who was um had alzheimer's you know and i ended up going to the emergency room and then i went back to finish my shift you know and that's that's just the way of the nurse you know and and nobody came to me and said are you okay no you fill out the incident report and it's done and you go about your your daily life you know i just had an incident uh, the other day where I was checking out this kid. It was just, I just felt, I, I don't know if you had the intuitive vibe that your day was just going to be like, right. you're totally, you know, yes, yes. You know, <laughs> because the other day, like I was listening to this situation before I went into my room and I was like, this is not good. I know this is not going to be good. I, I, and I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew, and I knew what I had to do and what had to happen. And I went in the room to do a physical exam and um, I'm not going to say really exactly what happened, but uh, this woman called uh, this child's penis another word. And I just said to her, I go, listen, it needs to be anatomically correct because that, you know, you don't want to teach him that because if there is any sexual kind of violence, that's not good, you know, and there have been studies and she goes, fuck you, bitch, just do your job. You're not even a doctor. And she got into my face and I was like, okay. And I just walked out of the room and I told the manager, I just got verbally assaulted. Oh, well, yeah, that happens here, you know? It's just part of the population. No, really, he should have called the police, you know, but I needed to do what I did what I did to cover myself and my patient, you know, who I thought was in a not good situation and stuff. But, um, you know, you got to do what you got to do. You got to cover it. Don't take that from anyone. Anyone. Job. It's not. It's, that's not what we signed up for, to take abuse or being physically assaulted by anybody. And I mean, it could always be staffing ratios too. When you're in a room with a demented patient and you're in there by yourself and you're getting the crap beat out of you, well, maybe they low volumed half the staff and you didn't have anyone to take in with you. I mean, all those things yeah. are part of the violence. Um, yeah, it's not okay to be hit by a patient regardless of their, you know, if they're demented or not. Those right. all need written up so we can keep track of them and you know that's just it's so true i mean i'm gonna read uh, a little blurb here the occupational safety and health administration reports that nearly twenty five thousand workplace assaults reported annually 75 percent occur in healthcare and social service settings and workers in healthcare settings are four times more likely to be victimized than workers in private industry and uh, it says a 2014 survey on hospital crime attributed 75% of aggravated assaults and 93% of all assaults against healthcare workers to patients or customers. It's kind of scary. You know, it's like you go to work in the morning 
And, and that is the thing that you want. You just want to be safe and you just want to know that you are protected while you're there and someone is going to have your back. At the very least, the manager and come to you and say, hey, that really sucked that that happened to you. You know, at another clinic that I work at, um, they screen these type of people because we do have an area where these type of people can come in that are very aggressive. Some people are in prison and have to bring their kids. Some people are wearing ankle bracelets. So they have a tendency of being not so nice, but they get, they get uh, screened at the door about it, how aggressive they are because I'm all the way in the back by myself in a room with this patient, not safe. Yeah. Okay. Not safe. And um, so a lot of times they'll say, you need to leave, and they will call the insurance plan and say this patient cannot come in here because they, have, they are a business and they have the right to refuse service to anyone. You know, but in healthcare, they think, oh, we need to see them because they're a patient. No, you don't. Yeah. No, you don't. If they're being rude and threatening you with your life, I'm sorry. <laughs> And if they know they can get away with it, they're going to keep doing it until that culture changes where our management, you. you can't come in here and be a, a dick to our nurses. Um, once that culture changes, they'll stop doing it. It's very true. And this right. is what this, this woman had told me. She's like, I've been coming here a long time. So she's been abusive a long time right. to people and people have just, and there was a physician there and I said, Hey, you know, I just want to know, cause I had to make a report and I put her name on it because she went in and saw the patient after me. And I go, I just want you to know that such and such happened. And she goes, I didn't see anything. And what you're seeing, I didn't see. <laughs> yeah. And I go, I hear you, but I just put your name on the report. So do what you will. You know, <laughs> right. I'm like, I know how to, I know how to play this game, sweetheart. So <laughs> let's go toe to toe. You know, <laughs> yeah. So um, it's just really crazy, and um, uh, you know, it's just like any other takeaway that you would like our listeners to hear from your situation. I mean, you are going to go to a civil suit, correct? Right. Yes. Yes. I. So, am. what happens in the civil suit? Tell us about that. So, so after after the assault happened, I knew I needed. An, a lawyer. Um, so I, I did find an attorney and I also had a workman's comp attorney. I think that's so important with any workman's comp, especially if it's a violence, you need a workman's comp attorney to help you through things. Cause I honestly had no idea what to do. I've never been through anything like this, obviously, but with the civil suit, um, it, it's, you know, it's been 18 months since this happened. And so my lawyer wow. basically gets all the information. Um, and then we have a, a trial set for October unless they decide as far as the doctor um, and the anesthesia group also. That, that's my civil suit against the two if they want to settle. If they want to say. Um, you know, I suffer from PTSD now. It's oh my god, I can imagine. He lives in my town and um, in the in a part of Denver, and so everywhere I go, I'm looking for him. I walk into the grocery store, I'm scanning. I yeah, restaurant, I'm scanning. Uh, I've been diagnosed with the PTSD. When I started my new job, I was off work for almost 17 months. Um, I cannot go back to PACU right now. I'm doing pre-emission testing. I'm in an office. I have, um, 
I do talk to anesthesiologists. I'm really scared when I go up to them and just to make sure that, um, you know, I just get a good relationship with them. Um, before the strangulation, I, I feel I always had good relationships with the physicians I worked with. So, he's, you know, this whole assault has made me a little skittish. Of course. Little, um, you know, just I know my security guards. I know who they are. I know they yeah. I know where the where the cameras are. I know where the um, we have little bells that we can ring underneath the desks if we have anything happening. I work in a really good facility now, um, and it's a it's a newer hospital, so they have all the security everywhere. I feel very safe. Um, that's why I took the job there. I felt safe, and they like I said, they have the zero tolerance for bad behavior from doctors. And they, they had known what happened to me. So, you know, I, I expressed my concerns and they, you know, told me that would have never happened there. You know, police would have been called Re really reassuring. So I guess um, with the civil, we just wait. It's just a wait and see. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen with that. Uh, and then June 22nd is when the sentencing for the doctor and hopefully the judge will you know, take everything into consideration, how he wouldn't turn himself in and he felt he was above the law and, you know. Yeah, he's a sociopath. I mean, he's a sociopath, psychopath. There's no if, ands, or buts about it, you right. know. There's no remorse. He doesn't think yeah. he did anything wrong, you and know. He I've has no... I've always said this from the beginning. He had multiple times to apologize to me. I mean, he could have went to his senior, um, the chief anesthesiologist and been like, hey, I messed up really bad. I just put my hands around this nurse and strangled her or whatever he wanted to say. He knew I was in HR because when I called up to the recovery room, he was in the recovery room still. And the nurse said, um, oh my gosh, Beth's in HR and she's crying. And he made a comment like, oh, I know what that's about. Um, you know, he could have oh said, I mean, he never once felt, you know, that he was sorry. Multiple times he could have apologized to me before, before I went home. And he just didn't, he, because he didn't, he didn't feel like he should even. No, because he's a sociopath or a psychopath and they have no remorse. It's just like someone who kills their victims. I mean, right. it, it, it's like, they feel that they're, oh, what? Oh, well, she did this to me. She, you know, she approached me. So you're, you're the perpetrator now. Right. And I'm the bad guy because I told on him and all those right. years if he's ever done anything, no one ever told on him and I did. So that pissed him off. You know, he just is angry about the fact this is pretty much to, in my view, an inconvenience for him. This is just that nurse told on me and blah, 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 yeah. you know, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. And, and, you know, and that's something all nurses, you know, like I said, just stand up for yourself. Yes. It's not part of the job. And, you know, if, if I was 25 and I, this happened to me, I probably wouldn't have told. And when I was a new nurse, yeah. I probably would have just said, Hey, you know, it is what it is. Um, and, and that was something I had to struggle with a long time was that I went and, and pressed charges. Mm -hmm. you know, I struggled with that a long time because I thought, you know, did I do something? I was blaming myself. Oh, I hear you because nobody is like, first of all, you know, your coworkers aren't backing you up there except for that one. You're getting a reassurance. You're not getting the hospital to back you up. The chief is not backing you up saying, you know what, this is absolutely out of control. So in your head, 
uh, what's going on now is you're trying to rationalize this. It's like your brain is trying to now um, make it okay for you and make your, your brain is like going, this wasn't safe. Nobody was there for me. And and it's like, it's, it's just weird. You know, I've been there before, you know, where it's like, what is going on with my world? And what you have to do in that situation is get that inner strength for yourself, empower yourself, which is really hard to do. And I really honor you as being so rogue to do that, you know, because I I understand how hard that is to really bring it in yourself and take it all the way and you just have to be like you you know you have to just said say I had an injustice done to me this should never be done to any nurse I mean I even see you going to congress you know and really fighting for this even more I mean you know and even becoming a speaker right you take one of my classes (laughs) my storytelling classes first one's free you know, uh, and, and we really help you to tell your story. And this is why I'm doing this. It really empowers nurses, healthcare providers, and even patients to really tell their stories and really stand firm in their power, because that's what it is. It's like, you're feeling powerless, you know, you're like, but it's like, you don't need these other people to justify that a wrong was done to you. You have to believe in yourself that this was wrong. I mean, you know this was wrong. Right. Yes. And you're like, okay, you know what? I know this was wrong. And I don't care whether you think it was wrong or not, but it was wrong. Right. And I'm going to take it all the way as far as I can. Yes, exactly. That's what you got to do. Yeah. And that's exactly what my plan is. Even if I can get into a new a new class of the medical uh, that year of the future doctors and say, hey, don't be touching the nurses. Yeah, I can see you doing that. I can see you speaking to residents and, and stuff. Uh, one of my friends, Dominic Quagliozzi, he, um, he's a, he, what does he have? Cystic fibrosis, um, bilateral lung transplant, uh, four years out. And he goes around speaking to residents, you know, but I could see you doing that as well as a, you know, this was my story. You know, this should not happen. I mean, I think if you put it poetically together, I think it could be a very powerful story that can speak to many physicians or even other advanced healthcare providers as well as nurses uh, too, to where it gets into their subconscious. Like, hey, wait a minute, there was that nurse story. Yeah. And I heard it. And I need to be cool here. You know, I value my job. I value my coworkers. I value the nurses that do help out in this situation, you know, and, and stuff. And, and just to see it as a very humane thing right. and, and not and get that psychopathy out somehow. Or they have to really start weeding these physicians out, you know, and giving psych. They don't do a psyche valve before you get a job. Right. Yeah. You know, and maybe they should. Yeah. So, well, thank you very much for being here today. And uh, I look forward to talking to you more. And hopefully you could take one of our classes so we could get you all story ready so you can share your story with many other people. Perfect. Thank cool. You. Well, thank you so much. Bye. Stay focused and organized. One way you could do that is by downloading the Nurse Backpack app which enables you to keep all your credentials in one place and to send it to your nurse manager, your recruiter, or to that next dream job. Download the app today. The link is located in our show notes.
The World Health Organization has designated 2020 as the year of the nurse and midwife. In honor of the 200th birth anniversary of Florence Nightingale. And did you know that nurses have an 18-year running streak of being the number one most ethical and honest profession in all of America? Rogue Nurse Media 501c3 is going warp speed into this 2020 year of the nurse. We're sponsoring art exhibitions, murals, networking events, movie screenings, and writing webinars to promote the positive image of nurses in the media. We'd love for you to join our team. We're looking for volunteers and sponsors to help us go forward with this amazing journey. For more information, email us at nursesandhypochondriacs at gmail.com. And oh, don't forget to go ahead and give us a five-star rating on iTunes.